Good morning, brothers and sisters of the Ask Us Nation. Welcome back to the Ask Us Why podcast, where we are going through our day-by-day, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Proverbs, where we are pulling wisdom and bits that we can apply into our lives right away and find fruit and find life that avoids the path to destruction and folly. I am your host, Jeremy Davenport, better known as Remy, runner, runner? owner of Ask Us Why and everything that we do. And I am pleased to have you on this episode. If you're new, welcome. If you've been with us in this whole journey, you guys are the best. Freaking love you guys. You guys are so awesome. This has been a great series. I will not lie. This has been challenging because obviously it's a day-by-day commitment and there are a lot of other things going on in my life right now, which make it pretty challenging to commit to this stuff, but I'm staying consistent and I'm doing it just most of the time I'm recording these episodes at like 1130 at night. Like right now it is, yeah, exactly 1130 at night because obviously I want to post the episodes at midnight for you guys to have them in the morning. So uh, it's been a challenge, but it's been great because we're in the word. I think if we were doing anything else, it would not be worth it, but I don't know if I've ever been in a season where I felt so alive after doing a podcast episode because of reading God's word when I'm going to bed. It's amazing. It's incredible. It is awesome. I highly encourage you to do it. I'm probably going to keep this practice going even after this chapter or I mean the series ends because I just love reading God's word and feeling the life that comes from it. Hope you're on the same page with me. Well, guys, we're going to be going through chapter 17 today, and as always, I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to talk about a takeaway. So let's do this thing, starting in verse 1. Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. A servant who deals wisely will rule over a son who acts shamefully and will share the inheritance as one of the brothers. The crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold, and the Lord tests hearts. An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. Whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their father's. Fine speech is not becoming to a fool, still less is false speech to a prince. A bribe is like a magic stone in the eyes of the one who gives it. Wherever he turns, he prospers. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. An evil man seeks only rebellion and a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool and his folly. Oh my God. If anyone returns evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the, the barrel or the quer, carol, quarrel, coral. <laughs> that, was, that was weird, guys. So quit before the coral breaks out. He who justifies the wicked is, and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense? A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. One who lacks sense gives a pledge and puts up security in the presence of his neighbor. 
Whoever loves transgression loves strife. He who makes his door high seeks destruction. A man of crooked heart does not discover good, and one with a dishonest tongue falls into calamity. He who sires a fool gets himself sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. The wicked accepts a bribe in secret to pervert the ways of justice. The discerning sets his face toward wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. To impose a fine on a righteous man is not good, nor to strike the noble for their uprightness. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. As we are going through this series, uh, you're probably going to start noticing overlap with a lot of different proverbs that are almost the exact same i think uh one that you will see commonly is the idea of one who rejects wisdom uh and is foolish in his own eyes there are a lot about the value of wisdom over choice silver and gold um and if you caught on with that last verse in verse 28 it says even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise when he closes his lips he is deemed intelligent And in one of our previous chapters, we went over that takeaway of less is more when it comes to words. And it can be easy to want to talk and to talk forever, but more often than not, the more we speak, the more it leads to destruction, it leads to consequences, and uh, a lot of regret. And I made a video about this actually on our Instagram, and I did a little bit of math. And it says that the average person speaks about 16,000 words a day. There used to be this study out that I believed for a while that said that uh, men spoke 7,000 and women spoke 20,000, but apparently it came from some self-help books a long time ago, and when they tried to track down where those actual like numbers came from, it was a dead end. So uh, other studies have showed that around 16,000 is a pretty good number for an average, and it's contingent upon so many different variables. But if you do the math of 16,000 words per day, and then you multiply that by 365, and then multiply that by, I would say about 50, let's just say like conservatively 50 years, like between the ages of 20 to 70, if we make it there, it could be like 16 to 56 or 66 or whatever. Anyways, do that math. You have close to almost 300 million words. And I believe it is Matthew 12, 26 or 14, 26 that tells us that we are going to have to give an account for every idle word that we say. And idle meaning casual which means all words, not just ones when we're teaching, not just ones when we're gossiping uh, or when we're cursing, literally every word. And uh, that is a large number. So talk less, average even a thousand less, and that is hundreds of thousands off of our amount of words we're going to have to give an account for. So that's that takeaway. But that's not even what we're talking about today, you guys. We're nine minutes into this thing, and we're not even, we're so behind. I'm so sorry. No, I hope that was helpful. Now, we're going to be talking about verse 17. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. 
We've done this topic a few times on this podcast. We've talked about the idea of what it means to be a good friend to other people. And Solomon has given his two cents on this. He says that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And the question or the reflection that I want us to think about is what kind of friend are we to other people? And as you think about that, think about what that means to even be a friend because we've kind of washed and watered down the term the terminology for what a friend is because you can friend someone on Facebook you can follow people on social media and nowadays it seems like friends are not what they used to be you can be friends with technically anybody you can have one conversation with someone and get to know them a little bit and then you just classify as friends which can be a great thing. I think that there is, you know, benefit to, uh, a, you know, addressing people as a friend. I think that there's something beautiful about a relationship of that. But at the same time, we lose sight of what it means to be a true friend because we've now lowered the standard to, we'll have a few conversations and now we're friends. And so I guess it's more about our best friends, the friends that we are the closest to that we spend the most time with. What kind of person are we to them? And the key component of this verse is loves at all times. So the question is, do we have conditional or unconditional love for other people? Because when we look at the example of Christ and what he did for us on the cross and the way he even treated those around him and his disciples, his best friends, Jesus showed unconditional love for them. And we know from, I believe it is 1 John uh, 4.19 that tells us that we love because he first loved us. And when we are in friendships, if you haven't had this happen to you, I don't know what kind of friends you have, but I want your friends. But in my life, I've had a lot of friends that have let me down and vice versa, that I have let them down as well. And the question remains when we experience such things is, do we continue to love them and be a friend to them? Or do we kick them to the curb, abandon them, hold on to that uh, unforgiveness and that resentment and move to a new group of people? And that sounds extreme, but I think that it is more common than not for us to disperse and to uh, to disengage ourselves from those kind of people in our life. And there can be good reasons to do that. Obviously, if someone is abusive or they are leading you into temptation and into sin and those kind of things, absolutely, we need to set boundaries and to protect ourselves, right? But for the vast majority, there's just a lot of times where our friends do things against us that are wrong. You know, it could be that they have lied to us it could be, in my experience, what I've had is I've depended on friends before to show up for me and to do certain things, and they like completely let me down. And it was very, very frustrating so many times where I expected them to show up, and they didn't show up. And I had, I could think of a handful of situations in college where I was torn because I'd been let down so hard. The question was, do I even want to stay friends with this person? Why should I talk to them anymore? It seems like when I'm at my lowest of lows, they didn't show up for me. And that can be really, really hard because it does reveal many truths to us. It can show us whether friends are truly friends to us, and it can also show us if what kind of friends we are to other people. 
And I've always lived by the the mantra, the, the, the motto that hurt people hurt people. And it always helps me when I'm going through these situations to realize that we are friends with other sinners. I was listening to a podcast the other day that talked about this with marriage. And there's apparently a book that I have never heard of before, but it says, when two sinners say I do. And this podcast talked about the truth of like if you were to get into a relationship with someone who was crippled, would you be upset with them if they fell or if they stumbled? No, because you understand that they have like a disadvantage and that they have a challenge in life and they're crippled, right? It's, 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 it's as easy as that. But for some reason, we hold this really high standard for friends and for those that we're in relationships with to be perfect, to fit the mold of what we desire. And I think the culture has really, really molded us into this, this, uh, this type of, of mindset and thinking because everything is tailored to us nowadays. Every business tries to tailor to us, to niche into our specific life and what we're going through and mold into what we need exactly. And we take that same principle that we would use for a pair of shoes to a spouse or to a friend. And when we expect them to be perfect and they let us down, then we feel like it's a breach of contract. And we want to give up on them. We want to abandon them. We have a right. We can justify, quote, in our heads why we shouldn't be friends with them anymore or why we should separate ourselves with them. But always ask yourself, is this the love of God? Does this reflect the nature of Christ that he has called us to live up to? Or have we turned away from him and have we embarked on a a selfish journey that is all about what we can get ourselves? And so just to transition back to this idea of what it means to be a friend, the question also asks, what does it mean to love at all times? What does it mean to love a friend? Because sometimes we think that means making sure they always feel good, entertaining them, saying the right things, making sure that they don't feel upset, right? We don't want to hurt feelings, but that could also be the opposite. Because if someone's on the, on the path of destruction and sin and they need someone to call them out, You can be that friend who does that, that loving friend who sees that they are driving down a street and they're in a car that has no brakes that works and you can see that it leads to destruction and you're trying to holler at them because you don't want to see them hit that that wall and then turn to you and go, why wouldn't you just say something? Why wouldn't you just tell me that this was going on? I mean, I knew that I was I was in the wrong, but I needed someone to just set me straight and you just wanted to make me feel good. Now what they feel is so much worse than maybe a small offense in the beginning. And so sometimes that's what loving looks like is rebuking and calling people out. But other times it could just be other things. It could be just being a better listener. I think that one's huge. I think that we love to talk about ourselves. If I'm being honest, I love to talk about myself and like my business and the ideas that I have in life right now and like my opinion on things. And because I do, I usually carry the floor for the majority of conversations I have with people. And so I am in a season where I am learning to speak less and be a better listener, to ask more questions and to understand more. And I'll talk about that very shortly here about application on how we can actually do this better. But being intentional with listening is a great way to love other people. You can also be sacrificing time to spend with them or to help them. It could be just 
ultimately, I mean, like at the end of the day, it really is just caring about their life and who they are as a person, not what they maybe have to offer you um, or what they can do for you, but just who they are as a person inherently and you loving them. It could also be just speaking life into them, speaking encouragement and speaking love. Um, it could be witnessing to others about them, honestly. When you talk to other people and you talk about them, like witnessing about them in a way that is honoring to God and that lifts them up as a human being, right? Instead of knocking them down. And then lastly, I would I would say I put on my list here, sharing the gospel with them if they don't know Jesus. If they don't actually know who Jesus is, they are destined for hell, eternal separation from God. And I would rather offend someone. I heard this recently. I would rather offend someone to heaven than love them to hell. And that shook me to the core. If I know people in my life who don't know Jesus yet, the most loving thing that I could do is point them to the creator and to eternal life because that is the long game. It is not the short game. If you are on a sports team, and you want to win the Super Bowl, and you can see, like, let's say football, yeah, like you want to win the Super Bowl, and you got a team, and you know what it takes to win the Super Bowl, would you just tell them how to win the Super Bowl because they want to inherently win the Super Bowl? Or do you just kind of let them do their own thing even though you know that they're going to keep losing games? Like, I know that's a silly example, but just practically speaking, you would do that because that's the loving thing you would want to do. You'd want to support them and help them out. You know the secrets to doing it, and you know the secret to life, and that is Jesus Christ and life eternal, and that is another way we can love them. So let me just go into real quick the practicalities and the actual takeaway for us because I know that this is a little bit of a longer episode, and I'll be quick with it. So my takeaway is find one way you can be a better friend to others, and I'm going to give you a quick template for how to do this, okay? And it, it really is simple, it's super easy, and it can be really, really helpful for your relationships. The first thing you need to do is ask deeper questions. The next time you're with them, don't just ask, how are you doing? How is work? Like really get to know where they are in life right now. Like get to those, they call them like level two and level three or sometimes level four questions that really spark like conversation and really get them to reflect. So instead of saying like, how was your day? You ask them, what was the highlight of your day? because then they have to think more about it. But start asking more questions that really get to know where they are in their life, where they are in their faith, where they are with their finances, with all their responsibilities. You could find out that they have a family member who is sick and dying and they are stressed out. You could also have a situation where financially they're just not doing well right now. It could be that they just haven't been feeling well and that they feel sick inside or that they've been battling some kind of illness. Whatever it is, there can be so many things hidden under the surface and we've talked about that in other episodes before too, where we have opportunities to love them, but we wouldn't know how to love them if we don't actually know who they are. So that would mean also asking them like what their love language is. And that can be, uh, there's five of them. If you've never heard of them, there's acts of service, there's physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, and quality time. I cannot imagine that physical touch is really relevant in this situation. This is the, they use the love languages more for like relationships and marriages, but there are still a lot of application you can use for those. So acts of service versus words of affirmation, gifts and quality time. Like, do you, does your friend love it more when you text them out of the blue and send them encouragement or just ask how their day is going? Or do they love it more when you volunteer and sacrifice your time to come help them with something because you know they need help? 
I'm that type of person. I would rather someone step out of their day and out of their busy schedule to come and help me with something when I'm struggling than just them send me a text and be like, hey, you're doing awesome. Those things are great, but that's just how I feel loved more. And so how do your friends feel loved? Figure out how to do those and ask them more about their life where they're at in their season of life. And then once you have that information, you have that quote data collected, you can make a educated or an educated decision on how to better love them, right? You can know whether what season they're in to either financially help someone if you can, physically help somebody if you can, uh, be a resource for them, a shoulder to cry on, an ear to listen, a cheerleader, a motivator, someone to hype them up, send them awesome texts, or even just to check in with them and with their family members, or just to be praying for them always. There are so many ways that we can be a friend that loves at all times, but that comes with intentionality and it comes with really being uh, like proactive in asking the right questions and loving on them the way that Christ loved us. And Jesus loved unconditionally. We see that with Peter. We see that with um, multiple times he was let down by him. He was abandoned. Even Thomas doubted who he was, but he still loved him and approached him. There are so many examples of Jesus through all of his life where he had friends that let him down, but he still chose to love them and speak life into them. And we have the opportunity to do the same thing. So that's my challenge and takeaway for today, guys. Find one way to be a better friend to one of your friends. Just one thing that you could do differently to love them more. Ask the deeper questions if that's your first step. If that's not your first step and you already know where they're at, then that second step is knowing what direction to go with the questions to ask and how you can pour into them and how you can love them well. And so that's what I got for you guys today. I'm going to lead us out in a really quick prayer and then we'll peace out of here. Lord, thank you so much for your word. I am so blessed by it and I am so encouraged by it. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would meditate on this truth, that we would take it to heart and that we would apply this into our lives and that we would be friends like Christ was to us and is to us. I pray that we would uh, listen to the words of your, your scriptures to the Proverbs and to the wisdom and that we would be wise in applying it and that we would live out this example. And so Lord, I just pray for opportunities. I pray for friendships to, to grow through this. And I pray that, um, that, that you would just be ever so present in the journey that we take, uh, to reflect and to live out the character of you, God. So I'm thankful for your word and I pray that you be with us all today. It is in your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, that's what I got for you today. Sorry. It's a little bit of a longer episode. I got carried away, but I love you guys. You guys are the best. You're seriously so friggin' awesome. Go out there, change the world, keep growing the kingdom, be a better friend, and I will see you guys a la manana. Peace and blessings. Peace.